Welcome to the CCFR Radio Podcast, your source for news, updates, and stories from the CCFR. Welcome to episode 145 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Yeltaka, here after three weeks. I almost forgot how to make a podcast. It's been so long. Uh, but we have a ton of stuff to go through today. It might be another long one. Um, I just finished uh, doing the interview with Tracy uh, Wilson, and yeah, we just had a list so long. You know, it's funny because I think sometimes what would happen if there was an election and like a normal government that just dealt with government affairs left everybody alone. Imagine if there was a government like that that took charge. I don't even know we, that we would even need a podcast anymore. Maybe even not the CCFR. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, but anyway, we got a lot of stuff to go through today, uh, a really long list. So anyway, before I get into that, I want to thank some of the businesses that are helping the CCFR uh, continue to produce the CCFR radio podcast. Bullseye North stocks a wide variety of guns, ammo, optics, knives, and accessories from all the big brands and offers free shipping nationwide on orders over $200. Some conditions apply. Sign up for their weekly newsletter to get zeroed in on their weekly deals and live inventory. Bullseye North is your sports shooting superstore. A huge thank you goes out to our great friends over at the Saskatchewan Rivers chapter of Safari Club International. They do a lot of great work over there, including supporting the CCFR and the CCFR radio podcast. Check out all their great work at saskriversci.com. That's saskriversci.com. CTOMS has been a provider of trauma care training to military and police in Canada for nearly two decades. Now this emergency medical training is being made available to a wider audience through CTOMS Academy online courses. This online training is valuable to anyone that pursues sporting or outdoor activities or finds value in being prepared for a crisis. Visit ctomsacademy.skillbuilder.co and use promo code CCFR30 for a 30% discount on all training. And thank you so much to our great friends over at Vortex Canada. They continue to support the CCFR podcast and the CCFR. Can't say enough about them. Check out all their great products at vortexcanada.net. That's vortexcanada.net. Vortex, the force of optics. All right, we're back. So um, we have a very lengthy conversation with uh, Ms. Wilson coming up. So I'm going to try to make it as quick as possible for what I have to go over with you. Uh, but if you remember back in the Bill C-21, uh, in the days when Bill C-21 was making its way through the House process in uh, in in committee, and uh, the Liberals showed up with whatever, 100 amendments to their, to their own bill, <laughs> to their own bill. Anyway, it's still, it's still wild uh, to think about. And then we had G-46, right? So that was the big long list. Uh, it contained um, a section, I think it was 96, section 96, where it said any firearm that can generate 10,000 joules or more, more of muzzle energy is prohibited, is now uh, part of the definition of a prohibited firearm, including the following. And then they had this big long list and we said, hey, look at all these firearms that never came in 50, uh, uh, 50 cal or never came in like 460 or whatever, could never, never ever existed in a, in a format that, uh, that could generate anywhere near 10,000 joules. So case in point, the Ruger number one, because it could come in a bunch of different um, calibers. And also the 1908 Brazilian Mauser, which is the one I always pick up because it only came in one caliber. And it's a hundred year old, over a hundred year old firearm, right? Why is that Why is that too dangerous for Canadians to own? Why is that not a hunting rifle? It's an assault weapon as far as these people are concerned. So anyway, remember there's this big fight and Polly and the rest of them and the liberals were all running around Knowing full well they tried to ban all these guns, all these hunting rifles, all these guns that no one could justify why they had to be banned, like bolt action, stuff like that, right? And they got scared because the political tide was kind of turning. They woke up the hunters, woke up the the people that uh, inherited firearms or whatever that was that were faced with losing them for no good public safety reason. So they started lying. And of course, when someone starts lying, they're like, you're lying. It's not us that are lying, right? And I checked with Minister Mendicino's office because... I myself couldn't interpret the list. Um, and and for everyone that I checked, even though they thought it was banned, it was not. So anyway, if you remember, here's a, a great little poly tweet. So they say, hashtag CCFR accuse us of spreading misinformation. And they put a clip of the podcast in there. <laughs> They're cute. Um, 
uh, talk of exposing it, but complain. It's not easy. It's not an easy equation to figure out how to push back against mis that misinformation. We'd love to see them try. Here's our our analysis of their bogus claims. Have at it. Well, now here's their big you know analysis right in PDF format, and they try to pick everything apart. And of course, they they ran all over the media trying to trying to say that. Um, all of the things, all of the different firearms that were listed under Section 96, which was in uh, Amendment G46, they, you know, we were, we were lying to everybody. It's it's gun lobby misinformation that none of these guns, like the 1908 Brazilian Mauser and the Ruger Number One, all that stuff, that if it wasn't, uh, if it didn't generate 10,000 joules of muzzle energy, wouldn't have been banned. We said no. It says it right there. Everything has 10,000 joules, including. Here's a whole list of stuff that wouldn't meet those requirements. Just for further clarity, they're included in this in this thing. And they're like, no, no, no. And, and what did they do? They go to the RCMP and they get an opinion from Murray Smith. And they're touting that. And they're like, oh, look, Murray Smith from the, the RCMP confirmed what we were what we were saying. And it's like, well, Murray Smith isn't a lawyer. Murray Smith is a very embattled, quote, unquote, expert, right? Murray Smith does a lot of strange things. And uh, I, I wouldn't, I would not take the word of Murray Smith to keep me out of prison, meaning if I had a 1908 Brazilian Mauser and 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 hung on to it because it was in, what is it, 7, .7 by seven by 57 millimeter, which generates somewhere around 3,200 uh, joules of muzzle, muzzle energy, would I, would I hang on to it based on the word of Murray Smith? Absolutely not, because it says basically it's prohibited. Well, there was this big, there's this big controversy, and Polly was running around in the mainstream media saying that we were lying about that. In fact, I had a very lengthy interview with a, a journalist from the Toronto Star about that, and I said, "Hey, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just afraid of the political blowback. Now they're lying, and they're saying that we are lying." And I said to the journalist, "Like, read it for yourself, man. It says it right there, including the following firearms. You know, if the following firearms only came in a format." that would generate more than 10,000 joules, it would have been included in the actual, they wouldn't have needed to list them, is what I'm saying, right? But he ended up writing a story and he's like, yeah, well, it turns out the CCFR, you know, misled the public and these were, well, guess what? I've got a lawyer that uh, did a talk at the CCFR AGM. You may know him, it's uh, Ian Runkle. And not only did he talk about this in his speech and analyze that for you, an actual, criminal defense lawyer specializing in firearm cases, but I even asked him at the end to further clarify, to make sure that I wasn't misunderstanding in any way. And here's what he said. Um, everyone remembers that giant list of guns that they've had to back away from, that they wanted to hammer through in C-21. Say all firearms that shoot a you know projectile of, of over 10,000 joules, including and then they listed things that included the Ruger number one. Now, if you're not familiar with that particular platform, it's chambered in everything from like 22 LR all the way up to you can hunt rhinos with this. Now, this is a very common legal phrasing. And you'll see this, if you wanna see examples of just how this is used, look at your local bylaws. If you live in a city, you will probably have a local bylaw that says that you are not allowed to keep livestock in the city. Just about every, every city's got one because they don't want people having cows in their front yard. But usually they'll say something like, you shall not keep livestock, including cows, sheep, ducks, chickens, bees. Um, and you're going, wait a minute, bees? And the reason why they put that in there is because once they say livestock including bees, that means that for the purposes of that bylaw, bees are livestock. Notwithstanding the fact that you would normally say no. That's just the legal structure. And so they say, no, that, uh, that this only means anything that shoots over 10,000 joules. No, once you put the Ruger number one there as a specific example, that includes all Ruger number ones chambered in 22, chambered in whatever, it's all included. Now, I find it very difficult to imagine that the, uh, the teams of lawyers that they have working on this had never seen a bylaw in their life or never seen one of the very common sort of structures of how you phrase a law. 
So when they say, oh, this is what we mean, and they suddenly mean it to mean something completely different than everywhere else, I just don't believe them. Well, I think that's a pretty clear opinion from Ian Runkle. And if anyone should know what the ramifications of that language is, it should be him. He's a lawyer that defends people in court against charges that are firearm related. Okay, it's not some guy tinkering around at the firearms lab shooting out, you know, opinions that are a lot of times contradict themselves. Okay, it's it's an actual lawyer. Now, a couple things, you know, Ian said something that I find interesting and that I agree with that you have over at the Department of Justice, you have buildings chock full of lawyers and paralegals, okay? Full of lawyers on the government payroll. Are you trying to tell me that these lawyers and David Lametti, right, the, the, the Minister of Justice, who is a law professor, had no idea that that language would have banned all those guns under there? Are you are you suggesting that none of them had ever understood what a municipal bylaw looks like when it comes to things like what Ian was talking about that I've seen myself? You know, I'm just some clown. You know, I'm not a lawyer. And I read that and I'm like, that's pretty clear to me. <laughs> you know, I don't need to leave, I don't even need a lawyer to read it, right? And I checked with Minister Mendicino's office because I myself couldn't interpret the list. Nor does anyone else. Are you telling me that these people never drafted legislation before and they just wrote that down? They're not sure whether all those guns were banned or not, right? You know, I'll even add something to that. You know, what's interesting is Pauli Saint-Souvien comes out and relies on Murray Smith, right? And dubious character, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of basically 100% of gun owners that have paid attention to his work. Um, are you telling me that they couldn't have, and the Liberal Party as well, when they, they had all this political blowback over these amendments, you know, and all these gun bans are like, oh, no, no, it's all gun gun lobby and conservative party misinformation. There's no, there's no guns being banned here other than assault weapons, weapons of war. Are you telling me that none of these people could have gone to the Department of Justice or David Lametti right around the corner and said, write me a legal opinion so I can get the heat off me? Do you think, would you, would you, would you guess maybe that the Department of Justice and Lametti says, you don't want me to write a legal opinion because it's not going to help you. Just continue with your propaganda campaign because the, the truth is going to it's going to bury you. Do you think maybe maybe that was part of it? You think maybe that's why they didn't get a legal opinion from actual lawyers? I would I would I would give you good odds that that's probably why. Right. You know, as a reasonable person that's just trying to get these people out of my life. I just it's I, it's just a very surreal experience dealing with these kinds of people. You know, that just that will just like, oh, I'm just going to keep repeating the lie and then no one will believe this party, even though they're telling the truth and I'll get what I want. I just it's just very strange for me. Anyway, daily. I feel that daily. I'm just having to do this kind of work being a normal Canadian person. Anyway. All right. Speaking of other ridiculous, other reasons why you would not trust the bureaucracy or institutions in Canada. Tim Thurley, uh, who is um, um, an educator, I believe but a very educated individual himself searching for the truth about whether gun control works or whether, you know, licensed gun owners having possession of firearms makes a, a less safe society. He's searching for the truth. And as part of his own personal uh, pursuit of that, he's filed an ATIP with the RCMP um, to try to verify some claim that the Liberal Party and I think Paulie says if you either retweeted it or they claimed it, that, that hunters and gun owners have 19,000 models. Like after all these prohibitions, there's still like 19,000 guns out there that you can just buy and replace these ones that are just too dangerous for people to own, like these, you know, 110-year-old bolt actions, right? <laughs> these weapons of war, much similar to the Lee Enfield, you know, got to get rid of those. But here's a, a big list of 19,000. They knew the number. It was 19,000, right? Remember Goody Hutchins? Any of you here firearms owners? Do any of you here have an FAC, a firearm acquisition certificate? So here's a fact you need to know. There are still 19,000, 19,000 firearms available for hunters and sport shooters and indigenous hunters. So there is lots of firearms still available in Canada legally. Any of you here firearms owners? Do any of you here have an FAC, a firearm acquisition certificate? So here's a fact you need to know. There are still 19,000, 
19,000 firearms available for hunters. And I checked with Minister Mendicino's office because I myself couldn't interpret the list. Um, and, and for everyone that I checked, even though they thought it was banned, it was not. Um, my understanding is that there's about 19,000 models that were, will still be available. Well, it just, just, it's just a clown show, like literally clowns. You know, I'm waiting for a bear riding a bicycle to go by when these people are holding a press conference, right? And so, you know, you must have gotten this number somewhere. 19,000, it's actually a number. And it's it's not even an even number. So that implies that you know about these guns. So Tim Thurley tips the RCMP. Hey, what are these 19,000 guns? You obviously know what they are. You obviously have a list or you wouldn't have had a number. And this is what he gets back. Huh. I remember Justin Trudeau telling me about the liberals, how they were going to run the most transparent government ever, right? Not, not, not to be confused with the backroom dealings of the Harper administration, right? Real, tra real transparent government. And we know a lot, aside from the firearm file, what a transparent government they're running. It's the most corrupt, I would have to even say evil government in the history of this nation, most divisive most certainly dividing Canadians among every line that they can create. So anyway, but yeah, this is what you get. Oh, we got 19,000 guns. Oh, which ones? So I can just go buy them and get rid of these terrible guns that you don't like. Oh, we can't tell you what they are. It's in the interest of public safety. I don't know how I can even get up and do this stuff every day. It's pretty strange. All right, now let's talk about something positive before we get uh, bring Tracy in. And um, and uh, we're going to have to go negative again, talk about all the tomfoolery and skullduggery that the liberals and uh, all these other people are involved in. And so, some of the stuff is actually very shocking that we're going to talk about with Tracy. You know, it'll it'll make you a little lightheaded. But before we, uh, before we get to that, and we're going to, by the way, let me just stop for a second what we're going to talk about the AGM at the very end, which was a ton of fun. It was really, really great. So we want to talk about that a little bit and show you a little bit of video and whatnot. Now, um, so my positive thing to end this up is field officer of the month. So of course we couldn't do any of the stuff that we do without having volunteers because gun lobbies in Canada, despite what you may have heard, uh, don't have the money to have a staff of 20, 30, 50 people flying all over the country doing these things. We rely on gun owners that want to make a positive difference in their ability to own his firearms. And those are our field officers and other volunteers. So anyway, we've got field officer of the month. This month, it is Sadie Desiro. So Sadie has been around for a while. He's part of our Quebec team. He is a key volunteer in the region and is involved with all the events that we attend in the province. The Quebec team is really is really starting to um, to get some traction too, by the way. We've struggled in Quebec, um, but our Quebec volunteers and FOs are really doing a great job and we really appreciate all that work that they're doing. And uh, he's also really well-respected by his teammates. So Sadie, you're getting a $100 uh, CCFR store gift certificate or whatever discount code and uh, credit. And you're also getting a year's subscription uh, for free to Canadian Access to Firearms. So thanks to our friend Donovan Dewis over there at CATF for providing that. I really appreciate everything that Donovan does too. Another, another great guy. So congratulations, Sadie, and thank you so much for all the great work. All right, I'm going to cut it off there. We're going to bring on Wilson. All right, via Skype, we've got Tracy Wilson of the CCFR. Wilson! <laughs> You're, you're getting really good at those. I love it. Well, it's funny because I'm in a studio and I have neighbors here in this commercial building and God knows what these people think I'm doing in here. But anyway, uh, all right, we have a ton of stuff. And when I say a ton of stuff, like I'm not even joking, uh, we'd be lucky to get through this in like 25, 35 minutes. So let's yes. get uh, started right now. Okay. So some really cool news. There is a group of seven academics that have gotten together, um, honest ones, oddly enough, and they've created a bit of a working group, and they submitted some uh, some recommendations in the form of an open letter to the Senate regarding Bill C twenty one. What's uh, what's the skinny on that story? Yeah, so I personally have been calling them the Magnificent Seven. Um, I don't know, but uh, anyways, it's it's a really cool kind of uh, group of people that have got together. You've got Dr. Noah Schwartz; he's a PhD and assistant prof in poli sci at the University of the Fraser Valley. 
Tim Thurley, who's got a master's in sciences, and he's a firearm researcher and policy specialist. Dr. Adam Jones, PhD, professor of poli-sci at UBC Okanagan. Dr. Nikolai Kovalev, PhD, associate professor of criminology at Wilfrid Laurier University. Dr. Christian Luprecht, I hope I'm not butchering that name, PhD, professor of poli-sci, Royal Military College and director at the Institute of Intergovernmental Relations, School of Policy Studies at Queen's University, Dr. Gary Mauser, PhD, Professor Emeritus, Simon Fraser University, and Dr. Kaylin Langman, MD, PhD, an Assistant Clinical Professor in Medicine at McMaster. So you've got some of the best and brightest minds in the country. They've assembled themselves together into this amazing group. They wrote an open letter to the Senate, and in particular, the senators who will be working on the committee studying the bill, and then, of course, included a whole swath of amendment suggestions. And it's it's neat. For every amendment suggestion they included, they also included all their sources for their information. And some of them have like 30 sources. Like this is sort of the definitive written work on why C-21 should be scrapped or at least why it needs to be amended, um, you know, amended completely. So anyways, it's a really good read. Uh, we've got it on our, our socials. Um, I'll get it up on the website too, so you can check it out at ccfr.ca. But yeah, just really, really cool and really good, solid research. Yeah, well, you know, you have uh, you have people running around saying, trust the science, follow the science, you know, and uh, and claiming to speak for all academics when it, or, or all doctors, emergency room doctors or what have you. And it's like, well, it's it's just not true, and it's um, no. and it's also unique because to come out on the side of the actual data, to come out on the side of truth and accuracy when it comes to the firearms file, there's a lot of risk to your um, to your career there. Oh, and yeah. so it's very easy for doctors or academics or whatever to come out pro gun control because no one's ever going you know, the media is never going to thrash you for doing that, right? Right. Takes, in fact, I would go as far as to say it takes no courage at all. But um, yeah. but nonetheless, I really appreciate uh, these uh, these folks getting together and publishing some real data that lawmakers, certainly in the Senate in this case, can can look at and um, and try to push things forward in the right direction. Okay. Yes. <laughs> our lol. Our friend Marco Mendicino is in more hot water. This guy can't stay out of it. <clears throat> um, yeah. And uh, he's got a full uh, flock of birds coming home to roost uh, when it comes to all of the. I don't know. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Just the lying that he does while at the same time accusing everyone else of lying and spreading misinformation. It's just He's just terrible. Um, so there, I have a whole list. There's a whole whole trove of, um, of uh, buffoonery that Marco's been involved in. So let's get started with the first thing. He decided that um, he would engage the Canadian Senate and let them know that they should basically just rubber stamp Bill C-21 and get it through. Don't don't bother doing any work. He's already done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is funny. He actually, um, uh, the Minister of Misinformation, Marco Mendicino, wrote a letter to the Senate. Um, he tweeted a copy of it. I'm not going to read the letter because it's, you know, fairly boring. But he tweeted it saying, C-21 is a critical step forward in getting firearms off our streets and keeping communities safe. I'm calling on Senator Platt to speak at second reading today. Let's get this done. So he's giving some uh, orders to Senator Platt. And I know Senator Platt. I don't think he takes those orders too well. So Senator Platt quote tweeted him on Twitter. And this was just, he, he, it was a, a Hulk smash going on here. But uh, Senator Platt tweets, I'm calling on the Trudeau government to let us do our work independently in the Senate. Back off. Bill C-21 languished in the House of Commons for a year, largely because it is extremely badly drafted. That's true. And due to opposition, the Trudeau government had to shamely, if shamefully withdraw its own amendments. It is very clear that the Trudeau government has engaged in inadequate consultation on C-21, particularly with Indigenous people, and yet it now claims that this extremely badly written bill is urgent in order to combat gun crime. If combating crime was really a priority the Trudeau government would not have repealed eight mandatory sentences for gun crimes in Bill C-5. Bill C-21, which targets law-abiding firearms owners, will do nothing to reduce crime. What the Trudeau government is attempting to do is pressure the Senate to rubber stamp a bill 
and silence and avoid hearing from witnesses with whom they neglected to consult. The CPC will continue to demand that Bill C-21 receive a full hearing and that Canadians who want to be heard can be heard. This letter shows one thing. The Trudeau government has no respect for the Senate and completely disregards the need for proper parliamentary process and oversight. I think we forget we're supposed to refer to him by his actual name, which is the disgraceful Marco Mendicino. Right. Right. So from yes. now on, from from now on through eternity, he will be described as the disgraceful Marco Mendicino. Um, but he's <laughs> from this day forward. Make it so. Exactly. <laughs> a, a, a parliamentary decree. How about that? A proclamation. A proclamation. We had uh, we've got a few proclamations that have come up recently. So yeah. anyway, um, so Marco's in trouble, not just for this, but all kinds of things, as mm-hmm. I think most people know. Uh, the most recent thing is for the um, for lying about the Paul Bernardo transfer from maximum to medium security. And I think Blaine Calkins made a video kind of just documenting how Marco constantly lies. And we're, I'm going to play an edited clip of that uh, again in the interest of time. But anyway, check this out. In the context of being upfront with Canadians and establishing... The, the, the credibility of what's being said here so that we can formulate a report and have proper recommendations going forward. Minister, in January of 2022, you talked about getting advice from law enforcement asking for the uh, triggering of the Emergencies Act, which we found out not to be true. In October uh, of 2022, uh, you had an issue where you misled a federal judge by backdating documents. Um, in January of 2023, you had an issue about the safe third country agreements working effectively and miscommunicating that to Canadians. In April of this year, you had to scrap your amendments to Bill C-21 after saying you weren't targeting law-abiding hunters. Uh, in May of this year, you indicated that CSIS never shared intelligence that the communist regime had targeted Mr. Chong and his family, which we now know is not true. In May of this year, you talked about police stations still being open, which is, we know now, categorically wasn't true. And now we know that not only did the Correctional Service of Canada tell your department and your ministry uh, on in, in, in May of this year, but you were also CC'd on that same memo from your own boss, who forwarded it on to your department or your ministry. And last night, reading through Twitter, your boss, and the, through the Prime Minister's office, has said that they sent you that same note, and there was no indication, according to this reporter, that you responded to the Prime Minister's office, and that the Prime Minister's fo- office found out on the 29th, the day before you said you found out on the 30th, that Paul Bernardo was being transferred Point of order. Maximum security prison to a medium security prison. It is. It is. Point of order, I, I'm Mr. I'm, I'm trying um, to establish I, credibility of the witness, Madam Chair. And there is no doubt in my mind, Madam Chair, that the minister had the information about this transfer and had the information about all the other things pertaining to Mr. Chong and every other issue I said. So, given that, Madam Chair, I'm going to ask the minister if he can do the one thing that I think he knows he should do. He has a microphone in front of him right now with all of the issues uh, that have been caused under his watch and the issues specifically pertaining to my colleague, Mr. Chong. Will he do the honorable thing and resign right here, right now? Madam Chair, I'm focused on one thing and one thing only, and that is doing my job to protect the safety and security of Canadians. That question is so posed with is riddled with inaccuracies and falsehoods. It doesn't even begin to warrant an answer. Well, Blaine Calkins uh, documenting documenting the activities of Marco Medicino fairly accurately. I I don't know. I think Marco's days are numbered. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I don't think it's actually possible to even keep him in this role. I think um, he'll be slid under the bus. Um, at some point on this. In fact, there's all kinds of talk here in Ottawa about an upcoming cabinet shuffle. I don't know if it'll be before uh, they rise for summer break or when they come back, but everybody, even liberal pundits, are talking about it, that he's got to go. Yeah, well, I mean, if they didn't get rid of him, 
as quickly as possible um, in the shortest amount of time, as it were. Uh, mm-hmm. They got rocks in their head. But you know what? You know, we've seen all kinds of crazy things from the liberal. But, yeah, as you said, even the liberals <laughs> are talking about not only Marco Medicino being booted out of his role and taking a $50,000 a year pay cut, by the way, couldn't happen to a better person, um, yep. but they've even floated who the, his replacements might be. So, anyway, here's a clip from CPAC, uh, again, edited for uh, just for the purposes of, um, of expedience. But, anyway, check this out. Well, look, we're all expecting a cabinet shuffle uh, in the coming weeks um, after the House shuts down and the uh, and before the Prime Minister goes on holidays. I would uh, think it would be very unlikely that Mr. Minichino would remain a, in a very important por- portfolio as public safety. Uh, this is, uh, he's really uh, screwed this one up badly. And this falls uh, a couple months ago when he tried to play politics with the gun control legislation and introduced a a ban on uh, hunting guns that were used by rural hunters and rural people and indigenous people and blew up in their face. They had to withdraw the legislation. And now he's uh, completely mishandled the whole issue of Paul Bernardo uh, saying he didn't know, blaming his staff. Nobody gets fired. It turns out the prime minister office all knew. Nobody apparently told the prime minister. Um, so I, I, I can't see uh, him remaining uh, in that portfolio. He, I've, heard, I've talked to some cabinet ministers already, and they're speculating that they expect a cabinet shuffle in July. I think when Mr. Trudeau does shuffle his cabinet, he's got to read the riot act to his cabinet ministers because there have been a lot of missteps from not only Mr. Mendicino, but Bill Blair, Harjit Sajjan, and uh, so... Somebody needs to read it to the Prime Minister, too, though. (laughs) (laughs) Because, uh, you know, this track record is getting to be very bad. And, and, you know, if Saf... That would be the kind of mistakes that you could see in the early stages of a government, not a government that has been in power for eight years. It's amateur hour that it's best. I can't wait to see Marco Mendicino being shown the door. How about you? Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't really like what's on the other side of the door either, but yeah, um, yeah. he absolutely deserves to be completely thrown out of this position. Yeah. It's a mess. Yeah, total disaster. And you know what? Come to think of it, in hindsight, some of the things that that weren't in Blaine's video or weren't in any of the other uh, material that has been content that's been floating around is you remember when he uh, when he claimed that the long gun registry uh, was was yeah. cr- he credited the long gun registry for the capture of um, of the uh, polytechnic shooter? Yeah, so brutal. Yeah, like I don't know. It's like he just makes stuff up and says it and doesn't think of the consequences. And somebody like that shouldn't be in charge of anything, let alone the public uh, safety and national security of a nation like Canada. Yeah, he he, he isn't fit to run the Strata Council at my at my townhouse. So anyway, right. all right, let's move on. I'm going to apologize in advance. We're still going to talk more about liberal lies and liberal MPs and who are the sitting government of this country lying, spreading disinformation while at the and knowingly while at the same time accusing everyone else of lying. So this comes from Rachel Bendayan, and she is a, a liberal MP in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And she just a couple of days after our AGM, she decides to fabricate a bunch of information completely from nothing and then and then basically have a major mainstream uh, media outlet publish it and then she t- decides she's going to tweet it. Polly tweets it as well, completely fabricated information and, of course, the disgraceful Minister of Public Safety, Marco Mendicino. So tell us, uh, why don't you read the tweet and, uh, and tell us a little bit more about this liberal ridiculousness. Yeah, so we had our AGM. Rachel Bendayan wrote this article, had it published in the Journal de Montréal, the Montreal Journal. So for those who don't know, that's like Quebec's biggest publication. Um, and in here, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a, a part that's been translated, but it says it's in this context that today and throughout the weekend, a number of conservative politicians have chosen to attend the annual general meeting of the Canadian Coalition for Gun Rights. Yes, that's what they're called. They campaign for the rights of a steel thing. They are, in fact, Canada's NRA. And it goes on and on. But that's completely false. Not one conservative or any other party, for that matter, politician at any level of government attended our AGM. 
that's completely false. We're not the NRA. And there, there's some effort that she put into this. It's not just a tweet where she said, hey, I, I bet there's a bunch of, you know, those dastardly conservatives over at the CCFRAGM this weekend. You know, it's, it's not like she just said that. She put in a concerted effort to write an article, have it published in a major publication, the biggest one in Quebec, propagate it all over social media, have it shared by the minister, anti-gun groups, everyone else, and it's completely untrue. Okay, so to be clear, we didn't have a single politician there at, at, from any level of government, from any political party. They weren't invited, and they nope, didn't show they weren't up invited. either, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is patently false. I mean, you know, I think what we need to do is we need to contact her and just say, can you please list the names of the conservative politicians that, uh, that attended the AGM? So these people yeah. make up... They just make up lies and then accuse everyone else of lying. It's it is a real low low bar that we've 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 come down to in Canada politically. It's where it's just like I will just completely lie whole cloth, and and lie in a in a in a manner that people could easily prove I'm lying. But I'm just going to keep lying, and let the people in the middle just go completely insane from listening yeah. to it. You know, so and then this whole NRA thing. So there's the re I think what's important about this whole story is the reason she did that. She did that specifically to create hate so that yes. people who are sensitive about gun control in Montreal can read that we are some kind of NRA. We have nothing. We've never had one communication in the history of our organization, not one communication with the NRA. Never. There's nothing in never. it for us. There's only exposure in it for us. Right. Bad exposure. Mm -hmm. We have never donated a single dollar to any politician or political party in the history of our organization. Never. Never. Not one member dollar has been donated to the campaign of a, of a political person, a, a politician in, in the history of our organization, not once. Yeah. And it just, yeah, just it, to me, it's really amazing. And that's exactly why she did it. She wanted to connect the NRA and us so people hate us and then they want to attach the conservatives so people hate the conservatives why just just for political reasons just because she just wants to yeah. hurt other people she wants people to hate us for no reason there was no politicians there at all just it's really incredible i think that it's shocking yeah i mean you know we talked at the agm about suing people and that we were mm -hmm. thinking of rolling out a couple more lawsuits uh, for people that are lying and personally, I'm kind of against it. I don't, I don't like suing people is not something you just do just for fun. You got to think that through because it's very distracting. It's expensive. It yes. takes a lot of, takes a lot of effort, a lot of time out of what you're going to be doing, you know? And, but now I'm thinking like, we should just throw lawsuits at these people. You know, every time they say something demonstrably untrue, just sue them, let them and drag these people through the court system for three, four, five years, cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like if somebody needs to be their dad, and tell them that it's not okay to just flat out whole cloth lie about people, then I guess we're going to have to be it. I don't know. I'm going to think about that a little bit more. Well, I mean, they lie about us all the time in the House of Commons, but of course in committee or in the House, they are protected under parliamentary privilege. This is something that she crafted, sent to a, a public publication and had it, you know, published. And to me, it's, it's just wild that she went through that much trouble and none of it, it's not true. It's its demonstrably false. And that's thats a problem. This is a problem. These are the people in charge of our country. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. And I'll say one more thing before we end that off, is that Marco has said things outside of the house that we could sue him like that for. Yeah. Like that. Like open and shut case. But again, would drag along for years. Of course, he's indemnified by the government, meaning taxpayers would have to pay his legal bills. But, mm -hmm. you know, we have him already. I just haven't made my mind up whether that's worth doing because I, I would have to do it with member money. So anyway, right. it's, just, it's just amazing having to deal with people like this, you know? I mean, yeah, it, you, didn't, you didn't hear it, but even in, in the intro, I talked about the, um, um, the amendment uh, G46 and how all those firearms that said included under the 10,000 joule limit were actually going to be prohibited. And Paulie... And the RCMP even lied or lying to well, Canadians. So and then the mainstream media the just says, oh, yeah, for sure. That's gun yeah. lobby disinformation. None of those guns would have been banned. It's like it's it's so clear. And we even heard a, an actual lawyer that specializes in firearms 
say that, yeah, of course they're included. This is the laws written like this all the time. I mean, I don't even know if you need a law degree to understand that when there's, you know, a, a statement saying something's banned and then it says including and then, it, you know, it's followed by a list. It, that means the list is included. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. Crazy. It's a it's a very strange time in the history of uh, of this country. Anyway, let's uh, enough of that. <laughs> let's talk about something even even more fun. Uh, some by elections happened. Yeah. So at the time of recording, we just had four by elections. Um, it, it, the results ended up the Liberals got two seats, the Conservative got two seats. That was kind of expected, but there was a little bit of an interesting twist in this by-election because the riding of Portage Lisger out in Manitoba, which was previously held by very popular MP uh, Candace Bergen, who's who's retired, um, that was up for by-election. So the Conservatives were running a rookie, a nice young guy, former staffer, uh, Brandon Leslie, they were running him. And uh, that riding in particular, Portage Lisger, in the 2021 election, it received the highest percentage of PPC votes of any riding in the country. So, and that was under Solomon Weeb was the candidate who ran for the PPC in that um, in that riding. And that's against a really popular conservative MP, right? He did really, really well. Um, all things considered. So here we are in by-election. Max Bernier, leader of the PPC, decides to float himself into that riding thinking, you know, this is this is the best riding they could possibly float into, right? If, if you can't win here, I'm not sure you can win anywhere. So he floats in, runs a huge expensive campaign and ends up coming out losing to the rookie with 4.4% less votes then Solomon Weeb, you know, mostly unknown, had against Candace Bergen, probably one of the, the country's most popular MPs. So th I think there's a little bit of a lesson there. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but huge upset for the PPC. And yeah, I I don't know where that path is going to take them forward. But yeah, a tough, tough night for them. Well, it is. And, you know, some people... Um, tweet at us or send us messages or whatever, or even talk to us in person and from time to time about the PPC and how they mm -hmm. their gun platform is great. And we tell people over and over, it's like, well, it doesn't matter if they say that everybody will be able to mount machine guns to their cars. It's never going to happen because to do that, you have to form government. To form government, you need somewhere like, what, 150 seats or something like that, right? 170, yeah, I actually. 172, I think, yeah. for a majority, and that's what you would need for that. Yeah, and that's right. And then you'd also have yeah. to make the decision that you didn't want to be a one-term government, you know, and yeah. you know, turn the country upside down, then get booted out the right next election. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's so far, it's so far away from reality for trying to stop things like Bill C21 or trying to get some common sense reforms in how we regulate firearms in Canada in the first place. It's just so far away from that. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's difficult, but anyway. It is difficult, but yeah. It is what it is. All right. That's right. Let's talk about something fun for a couple minutes. Okay. All right. <laughs> it was just, it was just one hit after another in this whole segment. <laughs> I know. Well, like this is the thing. There's just so much going on every single day that it's hard not to talk about these things so much right? ridiculousness so anyway all right yeah uh ccfr agm we we finally had it um it was a lot of work going in certainly a lot of work for uh for you a uh, little yes. bit of work for me as well um i think it was really successful we had some good times mm -hmm. and so i thought we would uh, chat really quick and uh and talk a little bit about what happened why don't you give us a, a quick overview Okay, well, we started off Friday night out at the Legion, just rocking it out. And I did see some extremely embarrassing video of me somewhere on Facebook, just dancing while you're wailing on the, on the mic. It was awesome. That was a really great time. And it was just sort of something totally unrelated to anything we do. But it was just fun to get out and have a good time and cut loose. And I know that the people on the bus had a great time. We had a shuttle bus, so you're not drinking and driving. And then Saturday, of course, we had a full day of seminars. We had Andrew Lawton, Ian Runkle came and talked to us, firearms lawyer. People really loved that. We had a nice lunch where we all sat down together and had a great lunch. And then an Ask Me Anything with you and I, followed by the big gala dinner. And we had a comedian there. He was absolutely hilarious. 
and uh, a photo booth. The pictures for that are going out online. So watch for an email about that. But yeah, just an all around great time. And of course, the business meeting on Sunday morning when everyone's brain was probably a little fuzzy by then. But yeah, all in all, I think it was a total success. Yeah, it was good. You know, the um, one of the parts was it was the bus ride home that was probably the wildest. <laughs> Yeah. Because, you know, everybody, everybody's had too much to drink or whatever. It's like, I got to get back to the hotel or I'll never get up tomorrow morning. Well, they jump on the bus and right. they'd close the freeway. So that bus ride, instead of being whatever, 15 minutes, it was like half an hour. Yeah. And uh, it was a school bus. <laughs> I've been in a school bus in a few years, actually several decades. And it's a bit of a rough ride in, in the school oh, yeah. bus. I don't remember. You don't care about that stuff when you're a kid, maybe. But it was quite a party in the bus. And so I think... That certainly was a good idea to make sure that everybody got home safely. And it was your last little burst of a party uh, before you got to go home. But I will comment on a couple more things real quick. Um, Andrew Lawton's speech was really excellent. And it's, and it's like when we, when we invited him, he's like, well, what do you think I should talk about? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm going to leave that up to you. Uh, but he, he really created a, um, a, a really interesting speech. I've, I've edited all that stuff and we're going to get that up on, uh, on our socials as well. The full speech oh, good. as well as Ian's Ian Runkle, his speech was really, really good as well. Really valuable information. We're going to get that one up as well. So keep, uh, keep an eye out for that. And our ask me anything was, uh, I think was fairly interesting. Although I think because of the podcast and the, um, and the TV show, people know what our position is on a lot of things. They know the answers yeah. to a lot of the questions they may have been thinking, so um, I think the very first one that we did, whatever, four years ago was a little bit more exciting because people would hear answers from us they hadn't heard before, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they hear from us every couple of weeks through these channels. So, yeah. But there were some funny questions. It was it was good. I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Overall, it was, a, it was a great time. Now, you received a letter, an email. Did you want to read that? Because it, it was pretty cool. It kind of encompassed what the whole purpose of... Um, um, you know, a big AGM kind of weekend event was was supposed to be. You know, that's exactly right. I got this email and I thought he expresses it better than I ever could. So I'm just going to read it to you guys because you'll like it. Dear Tracy, thank you so much for the amazing AGM event you and the CCFR team put on. It was great to meet everyone in person, hear from some educational speakers and feast on great food. As I went to bed on Saturday night, I found I couldn't sleep. Thoughts kept circling about all the people I had met that day. What amazed me is that I had just attended a national gun convention and I hadn't seen a single firearm. In fact, the total time I spent discussing firearms accounted for about 10% of my day. I met immigrants and heard their stories of adapting to a new country. I met people who told me about learning to love again after losing a spouse to cancer. I met a guy whose passion is professional Latin dancing. I exchanged recipes with a guy who loves to barbecue just as much as me. And I saw people there with their young kids and grandkids. And that made me feel right at home since I have a two-year-old. I could go on, but I think that you get the picture. I just loved having the opportunity to meet people from all over the country who are of like mind, are down to earth, and happy people. It was an incredible event. Thanks for all the work you do, the staff and field officers, to keep people like this coming together. I'm excited and hopeful for what's to come for our country, for our community. Daniel. Yeah, that's awesome. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, um, it was really great to meet um, everyone. I can I can only do so much socializing, you know, because it peopling. It, it's tired, right? But uh, yeah. it's tiring, I should say. But you know what? It was. I just want to thank everyone for coming out for that. I want to thank everyone for just just coming out and being them. And you know, we we had a lot of great conversations. Just at, just like Daniel said, like just regular conversations about stuff. And it was mm -hmm. just um, it, it was just, it was really neat. And I'm glad we did it. Me too. Me too. It was, it was well worth it. And it was, it's just feels really good to be with your people. It does. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. We've covered everything. We did it. We did it. Anyway, um, thanks for the update and uh, we will see you in two weeks in the next podcast. All right. We'll see you then. All right. That's going to do it for episode 145 of the CCFR radio podcast. Thanks so much everyone for watching. Um, I know it was a, another little bit of a long one, but there's, uh, as I said in the intro, like there's so much stuff going on all the time. <laughs> it's a lot. So uh, the only things I wanted to cover with you before I let you go is uh, are two things. Number one, we talked about a lot of negative stuff 
you know that I like to try to give you guys a pep talk uh, because I have to give myself pep talks all the time uh, because a lot of the stuff is really negative. You're dealing with people that are lying, spreading hate while they accuse everyone else of lying and spreading hate. It's just like the worst possible human behavior you can imagine, right? It's everything that you were brought up by your parents uh, or your caregivers to never be. That's what these people wholeheartedly are. So that can be that can be really heavy. Uh, fighting all the time with these people can be really heavy. But as, I, as I've said a hundred times, don't let them, they're taking enough from you. Don't let them take your happiness. Don't let them take your inner peace. So when I'm not doing CCFR stuff, I I push it out of my mind. There's probably one, as I, I think I said this before, there's probably one, maybe two if it's a bad month, maybe one day where it's kind of on me and I can't shake it or whatever. I'll usually just take off and go do something fun for a while and then it's gone. But I make a conscious effort to make sure that it's not leaking into the rest of my life because these people are not worthy of that level of control over your life. So don't let them get you down. We'll just keep fighting them all the way. We'll never stop fighting these people. We'll never make it easy for them. And at some point, we'll either win or we'll make it so that they don't want to fight anymore. That's that's the goal, okay? So don't give up and don't let them... Don't let them put a, a dark cloud over your life, okay? They're not worth it. They're not worthy of it. Okay, so keep your chin up. Hang in there. All right, now, uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention was uh, if I didn't in Tracy's, in my talk with Tracy, uh, the speeches that we had for Andrew Lawton and for Ian Runkle will be up on YouTube, Rumble, and Facebook. If they're not up there by the time you're watching this, they'll be up over the next couple of days, okay? So keep an eye out for those. Both of them um, are worth watching, okay? Both speeches were really great. I don't know how much, I can't remember what we talked about with Tracy because it's it's a very long process making these and I got to make the TV show too, so can't keep it all straight. Um, but I wasn't sure how these speeches were going to be and they were both just excellent, totally worth watching. So I think both of them are around half an hour or something like that, okay? Anyway. Thanks again so much for all your support, uh, everyone. If you want to become a member or uh, or a CCFR insider, you can find all that information on firearmrights.ca or you can uh, find uh, all that information at ccfr.ca. Thanks for watching. Take care. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. This is another episode of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Remember, if you don't stand up for your own ability to own and use firearms, who will? Join the CCFR or donate right now at www.firearmrights.ca.